Shila Prabhupada ki jai. Shila Prabhupada Vibhava Mahamutsubhatiti ki jai. So today is the remembrance of the appearance day of Shri Lasi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, whom we all have a deep connection with. I mentioned last night it's difficult to get Krishna out of your life. It's equally difficult to get Prabhupada out of your life. Even I know some people have tried. <laughs> it all comes back to this. If anyone in the Western world in particular who's involved in the sublime culture of Krishna Anushilam, which he, Srila Prabhupada, liked to render Krishna consciousness, who's ever involved in that as a debt to him. There's a pranam that we recite every morning, several prayers, in glorification of Srila Prabhupada, and they were composed by Sripad Bhakti Sundaragovinda Maharaj under the direction of Pujapad Bhakti Rakshak, Sridadev Goswami Maharaj. You may know that we used to sing two pranam mantras of Prabhupada. They were the most popular. We sang them here just now in the kirtan, the second of which is perhaps composed by himself. The first of which is a pranam that apparently was invoked for Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur that many of his successors used and then plug their name in as a successor. Namam Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhaktivedanta Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati nominated. So you can find in the different branches coming from Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur this mantra with the successive Acharya. So Prabhupada did also with the second one. Perhaps he wrote it himself, I'm not sure. But at any rate, there seems to be some grammatical incorrectness with it. And, um, of course, such things... If he wrote it himself, we think, why are we finding fault in him? But no, even if through the pen of such a devotee something comes out wrong, there's a higher purpose involved in that. The Lord is certainly moving his hand that something else may come out. You know that Ishpur Puripa, the guru of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he came to Navadvip, he stayed at the house of Sachi Mahaprabhu, and his mother served him, and he had written a book about Krishna. Mahaprabhu was a pandit, Nimai Pandit, so he asked him to look it over, look the Sanskrit over. And Mahaprabhu said, I, I cannot do that, it's written by a devotee. There cannot be any fault in that. But the, the insistence of Puripad, he, he finally did read it and said something about something, but still he exonerated Puripad from having any fault. So we should look at uh, the writings of such persons with those kind of eyes. At any rate, so something in that instance, something else will come out. So this wonderful pranam that we chant in the morning has come out as a result of the apparent grammatical error in Prabhupada's pranam, which, whether he wrote it or not, I'm not sure, but whoever wrote it, Prabhupada acknowledged the, the error. And I can't really tell you what it is. It was never really told to me. They tried to adjust it. Namaste Saraswati Deve, Namaste Saraswati Devam, but somehow it still didn't quite work. Still... It is mentioned in the Bhagavatam, very nice sloka. Who knows it? You should know this sloka from first canto. Yatadvisargo janataga viplavo yasmin pratislokam avadavati api. The Bhagavatam is another creation, it says altogether. Yatadvisargo janataga viplavo yasmin pratislokam avadavati api. And its message is so vital, so urgent, that even, it's mentioned here, even if there's some 
grammatical error or technical fault should be overlooked because of the, the nature of the message. So even the great pen of Vyas, as, as this idea is, is coming from, that uh, maybe some technical uh, inconsistency, form inconsistency, but substance, great souls uh, can deliver. And we, at the same time, should not be shy to make those kind of corrections in the right spirit. Once, Bhujapad <clears throat> Sridharmarsh was talking about this and he explained that one of his uh, godbrothers had proclaimed that if there are any misspellings in Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Sosti Thakur's writings in English, then the dictionary should be changed. So, some of my godbrothers were present and they liked that very much, hearing it from Sridhar Maharaj, and they said, Jai. He said, no, no, there's more to the story. And another godbrother came and said, yes, what you say is true in one sense, but people will think our guru illiterate if we do that, and that we're a little crazy, and admittedly we are, but we have to leave our craziness, madness of love, which turns all faults into ornaments, it's the nature of love, and consider our preaching mission and the fact that our Guru Maharaj wants to disseminate the teachings of Mahaprabhu, and so that the public will understand we should make some editorial changes in the spelling. Sridhar Maharaj appreciated this latter statement coming from the other godbrother as a, as a better understanding of service, service attitude. So, at any rate, with regard to the pranam, Srila Prabhupada once approached Sridhar Maharaj and asked him if he could write a proper pranam because the one that we were using had some technical error, and although it's the charming idea, what's said there. So, for one reason or other, it, it didn't happen, but after Prabhupada left, Govinda Maharaj reminded his Guru Maharaj, Pujapad Bhaktivedakshukshidadev Goswami Maharaj, our reverend, revered Siksha Guru, about this. So Sridhar Maharaj said, yes, we should write it then. Yes, he remembered. And so, Govinda Maharaj composed it and then brought it up to Sridhar Maharaj and he looked it over and checked it and gave his approval. We sing that song. And there it said, Guruvagyam Shirasidajam Shaktivecha Surupine Hare Krishna Timantrina Paschacha Prachatarine And I remember Govinda Maharaj coming down from the veranda glowing about this particular line. He said, this is one of the verses, four, I think there are four Pranam verses that uh, he wrote. And uh, he said, in the previous verse it said, Paschacha Deshatarine that Gauravani Prachadane, Nivishesha Sunyavadi Paschacha Prachatarane, that he's delivering the world from impersonal, the Western world, Paschacha Desh, from impersonalism and voidism and so forth, following the teachings of Bhaktisiddhanta Svasti Thakur. He said, but now we have said that delivering the East and the West, not just the Western world, but East, in our verse, saying, giving the full picture, even India. And he's sitting there, and so many disciples of Prabhupada are there, and his Guru Maharaj's moth is growing like anything, and on account of us, so, some of us are coming there and, and preaching and so forth. And so he's saying, and he, even India is being enlivened by this, not just the Western world. Also, he woke up India, brought the Western people back to India, the people who have everything. And many people in these think it's the heavenly planets they're talking about the United States. The streets are paved with gold. And uh, comparatively, there's some truth to it. 
So to have people coming from there and giving up materialism, that is a shock for many Indian people. So all over the world, not just in the Western world, he gave much currency for Krishna consciousness. He gave life to people who didn't have Krishna consciousness and those even who were. And he did that through the power of his Sankirtan. I came across a nice statement by chance of Shijiva Goswami in his Bhakti Sandarbha. See if I can remember it. I just read it the other day. He says, Tad evam kolo nama sankirtana prachar prabhave naiva bhagavata paryantatva siddhir darshita. Tad evam kolo in Kali Yuga nam kirtan prachar who does preaching not only who does Nam Kirtan, Nam Sankirtan, but who preaches about Nam Sankirtan widely. It said, in Kali Yuga, Bhagavata Paryantatva, Siddhir Darshita, a person will be known as a Mahabhagavata, as the greatest devotee, to the measure of the extent that he preaches about Nam Sankirtan in Kali Yuga. This verse just epitomizes the uh, the person of Srila Prabhupada and, and gives very wonderful scriptural support to the sentiment of his disciples and, and so many grand disciples and cousins and nephews and, and so forth. That he was a great Mahabhagavata. What kind of Sankirtan he did and how he preached about Sankirtan. Paschacha Pracha Tarane, East and West, the whole world practically became consumed by his his campaign. And that campaign, he was once asked about the, the effects of that campaign that were observed in him by an associate of his. At the time, Prabhupada hadn't started the campaign widely, but he had a mind to do that. Prabhupada was living in the idea of doing the Sankirtan all over the world for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the, on to please Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Even when it wasn't happening, he was living in the dream of that, the aspiration of that. As Sri Ramarsh liked to say, Mahaprabhu told, we should judge people not by their past, neither by their present, but by their future, by their ideal, because that they will become a very generous idea. So he had this kind of ideal. He would meet people and they would talk to him about his his program and he would speak about it as if it was already happening but it was in his own words as he would say sometimes separated only by time so he was very uh, consumed by the idea but what he took as the order of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur so even while he was working as a pharmacist at a pharmaceutical company one fellow noticed that he had such devotion as a householder he had such Devotion, such a religious man, just how religious, not everybody could understand that one day he would just drop it all and walk off. Just put it all down and walk off. Shocked people. But at any rate, this one fellow had some inkling that he's, he has such devotion, so he asked him, Dr. Kapoor, godbrother of Srila Prabhupada, related this story. He asked Prabhupada that, I want some medicine from you. He was a, at a pharmaceutical business. I want uh, that potion that you take regularly, 
that it gives you such pure devotion to Krishna. I want that from you. Can I purchase that? Nice, charming request. And Prabhupada said to him, I do not have that medicine, but I know the formula. The pharmacist said, I don't have it in stock, but I know the formula. I know how to make it happen. So humbly Prabhupada is replying, I don't have that kind of devotion that you think you're seeing in me, but I do know this. I know how to get it. I know the formula. So man asked, well, what is the formula? Then he said, Trinadapisunichena, Tororapisahishnuna, Amaninamanadena, Kirtaniya, Sadahari. So you can understand that as much as he embodied the kind of Sankirtan and preaching about Sankirtan that Jiva Goswami says in Kali Yuga exemplifies the life of a Parambhagwat, a Mahabhagwat. He also embraced this statement of Mahaprabhu. So this is interesting because the nature of the Nam Sankirtan that he did was very outgoing and sometimes people could have construed him as not being so humble. He was kind of challenging and charging. He said, I came to your country as an aggressor. So how will that be harmonized with Trinadapi Sunichena? We must be more humble than a blade of grass. So of course he had a dynamic idea of humility and that was what? Humility is not an abstract thing, but it there should be an object in whom that humility is reposed. And that was his Gurudev. So he saw that following the orders of the Guru, that is real humility, even if it means to sit up on a big chair and tell everybody what to do. If Gurudev has given this kind of command to preach, then we have to take some steps to do so. And we can't be afraid of disturbing people by doing that. You know that under Prabhupada's direction, by his grace, I was involved in his mission in preaching, and oftentimes in the course of the preaching and distributing his books, there would be some disturbance. People were not always pleased with our campaign. Sometimes some of my God brothers complained, what is the meaning of the preaching if people are complaining? And Prabhupada said, what is the meaning of preaching if nobody's complaining? If nobody's complaining, then you must not be doing any preaching. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a kind of a medicine, the preaching. That is medicine. And it's a bitter pill to take. It sounds very beautiful and poetic, but it's a bitter pill to swallow. There's a saying in Bengal, Oh, I heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his ideal and the, the Radhabhav, such a high thing. He eclipses all other spiritual aspirations. If we look at it with the yardstick of objectivity, we can make a good case for this. That the bhava of Radha for Krishna, this ideal that is so much what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is centered on, it eclipses all other ideals, spiritual and material ideals. Makes them like um, fireflies in comparison to the full sun at noon. Of course, that's our sentiment and our subjective outlook, but we have some objectivity, as I say, that we can bring to bear on it. Anyway, hearing about this, Bengalis would say, I wanted to become a Gaudiya Vaishnav. But then I heard this verse of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Trinada Pisunichana, and then I knew, oh, it's not possible. If you have to cross over this, pass through this, if you have to take this medicine, oh, I cannot tolerate that. That'll be more humble than a blade of grass, more tolerant than the tree, giving all respect to others, expecting no honor for myself. But Prabhupada drank deeply from this, and he, of course, applied, as I'm saying, his humility in a dynamic way. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur once defined humility as absence of the enjoying spirit. 
as soon as we perceive or position ourselves as the enjoyer of the objects of the senses, what happens? We see ourselves as superior to them. You follow? To the extent that we see the senses as objects of our enjoyment, we see ourselves as superior to them. This is then pride, pratishta. So absence of the enjoying spirit in relation to objects of the senses. This is humility. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthadakar has given such a definition. And in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Sanatana Goswami has said, humility begets bhakti, and bhakti begets humility. In a way, he said, these two are synonymous. They nourish one another. Humility nourishes bhakti. Bhakti nourishes humility. So Mahaprabhu was given a very powerful and important shloka here. Give that shloka in, in Shikshastakam after saying, Nam nama kari bahudani desagashakta tatrarpita niyamita smalena kala itadijita bapipa bhagavan mamapi durdaiva midrishami hajrinanuraga. Krishna is very, very merciful. He's given his names, all power in the names, no hard and fast rules for chanting. But in spite of this, the antithesis comes. That is the good news. The bad news is I have no attraction, no interest. Because I have so many anarthas, offenses in my background. Then Mahaprabhu gives the third shloka about being humble. In Hari Bhakti Vilas, we find the source of all anarthas is pride. So Mahaprabhu has taken on the anarthas that he's saying are inhibiting me from being able to take advantage of the merciful dispensation of Krishna Nam, Namsan Kirtan. He's taken it uh, to uproot that by speaking about humility. But humility, again, in a dynamic way. So Prabhupada, because he preached so effectively about Namsan Kirtan, as Jiva Goswami said, we must see him as a Mahabhagavat. And even if sometimes he seemed a little forceful or a little lacking humility in terms of what ordinary people might think is humility, no, we should understand. This is inside of that. You cannot do that Namsan Kirtan constantly without that kind of humility, without that kind of respect for others. Prabhupada said many things, and, and I can tell you frankly that by reading about them, you won't know him that well. But if you knew him personally, you had the opportunity to associate with him personally, and you took advantage of that, then you can harmonize all the things that he says that people will hear and think, well, how could he say that? Sounds a little harsh here, or a little sectarian there, or... Nowadays they pull out everything that he says. He's the only guru in the history of the world who's had every had his snoring taped. And uh, and as I said before, I don't think he wanted his snoring taped. Certain things he said in, in private. So when you take everything and make it public, then, well, they create some service for us to preach. What is the, the real heart and position of our guru in reality? If you knew him personally, then... If you had a good opportunity to serve him personally, then you could understand his charm and intense humility underlying his capacity to perform Sankirtan. So, a nice statement from Jiva Goswami and a nice statement from Prabhupada about his formula for pure devotion as it was given by Mahaprabhu. So, having said that, I would like to read to you from a book that's been published some time ago and the devotee was kind enough at my request to send it to me, and we are indebted to her, Chaitanya Daya. 
book that uh, consists of the, really, the diary of Srila Prabhupada that he wrote upon realizing his desire to get passage on a steamboat to... Steamboat? I don't know if it was run by steam, but anyway, maybe. On a boat to America. Of course, I think he went as a cargo passenger. <laughs> he went like a piece of baggage. He traveled. Steamboats? Even nukes or steamboats. Okay, thank you for that. Hmm. So, steamboat, an ocean liner, but not a luxury liner, not a luxury cruise with a sauna and a swimming pool and a tennis court and, and all those things. No, it was a cargo boat. He went like, like a piece of baggage, sailed to America. And so strong was his desire to go that uh, Krishna could not refuse him. And that desire, based on the desire to have the practical means to do what Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur wanted, spread Krishna consciousness outside of India and all over the world. So, at the time he realized he would get it, he got, which was, that's another thing, how he got that, how he went and sat at the wealthy lady, what is her name? Srimati Maharaji. She was a Vallabhi from the Vallabh Sampradaya, Vaishnav. Prabhupada went and sat and went and asked her for passage. She said, you're too old, Swami, and you're living in Vrindavan. You can't leave Vrindavan and go to America like this. So she refused him passage. But what he did was went and sat on her lawn or her, in her front yard, wealthy lady. And uh, I guess she owned the steamship and the business. And he chatted Joppa. And he wouldn't go away. He just sat there with the breath to chant until she gave in. She tried to get him to desist in, in different ways, and he was just firm. So she said, what can be done? And uh, she feared he would die on the ship, or it's certainly in America, foreign land, and he had no money. But she acquiesced anyway and gave him passage. As I say, like a piece of baggage, practically. And he took joy in this. And so from that time that she acquiesced to his request, he got a little diary from the... Um, from the, the company, the, the Steamliner company. Um, here is a picture of it here. 1965. A little, like, uh, notebook, calendar, date book for entries of important meetings and notes and things like that. The Skindia Steam Navigation Company Limited Subsidiary and Associated Companies. The Bombay Steam Navigation Company, 1953, Limited, Bombay, passenger service on the Konkan coast of India. There's a whole list of, I guess, affiliated companies. So from that time, anyway, with this little notebook, he began to write some notes and make his appointments and so forth. And a number of them are before he gets on the ship, but I want to read some of them from the time he got on the ship. As I say, like a piece of cargo. There were no other passengers. And we can get a glimpse of how he was thinking and feeling in his passage to America before that big Sankirtan program that he was destined to do uh, actually manifest. We get a glimpse into his humility, his devotion, his sharanagati, his shraddha. Friday the 13th of August... 1965. Today at 9 a.m., 
embarked on M. V. Jaladutta, came with me Bhagavati, the Darwan of Skindia, Mr. Sengupta, Mr. Ali, and Brindaban. Brindaban was his son. The cabinet is quite comfortable. It is owner's residence, and therefore the sitting room, the bedroom, and the bath, and privy, all equipped with first-class materials. Everything is nice in the first-class compartment, and thanks to Lord Sri Krishna for enlightening Sumati, Maharaji, for all these arrangements. I'm quite comfortable. He's blowing it out of proportion. <laughs> he's comfortable knowing that he's going. The ship started at 1.30 p.m., very slow from the dock, and reached near Botanical Garden and stopped midstream of the Ganges till 11 p.m. and then turned towards the front and started. It's quite steady. I cannot understand in my cabin if it's moving at all. I am so comfortable. The voyage was again stopped at 3.30 a.m. near Diamond Harbor and detained for about eight hours. The delta of the Ganges, quite wide with shallow water. Oh, he's coming through the Ganges to enter into the, into the ocean. Saturday, 14th. The ship started at about 11 o'clock in the morning, majestically. I do not feel any jerking whatsoever. But on reaching the Bay of Bengal, there is tilting of the ship and a little rolling also. The roughness increased gradually on the upper Bay of Bengal and I felt seasickness. There was vomiting tendency and dizziness, and I felt uncomfortable the whole day and night. The sea was foamy all through. It appeared like a big plate of water extending to 40 square miles, but factually it was endless, so to say. It is a vivid example of God's Maya, because it appears like something, but factually it is something else. 15th Sunday in the morning I woke up and felt a little better, but I felt no hunger. took only a glass of lemon sikanji, nimbupani, means like lemonade. But the head dizziness is continuing. Up to 10.30, I was in the captain's room, radio room, chanting with the officers. In the radio room, they were dispatching news to the other ships. The captain's room is full with nautical paraphernalia. I saw a chart of different apironical question mark. I guess they couldn't read his writing. See, this is all his own handwriting here in the book. Very nice. And then they've taken a magnifying glass and and then put it in, in print. So I'm reading from the print. They can't read just every word, apparently. I saw a chart of different something photo of the sea. The grades are 0 to 12 degrees, and I think we are passing on the sea between 4 and 7 points. The sea of the 10th point was furious, and the 12th, serious. The captain advised me to take more solid food. Today, 16th, early in the morning, I saw that the ship is plying on the surface of the sea, almost on 0 degree of waves. Yesterday night was comfortable, and although I did not take my lunch, I took a little charamurki with milk, that means puffed rice. The ship ran all night yesterday, smoothly in the sky, although not very clear. There was moonlight in the night. In the morning, there was sunshine, but after 11, the sea became 
a little more rough, showing foamy waves from distance. After passing the latitude of Trichinopoli, we experienced a dark cloud subsequently raining over the sea. The siren sounded on account of hazy vision to warn other ships coming from opposite direction. At about twelve noon, it is raining heavily and the ship is stopped, moving occasionally, sounding the siren. There is constant sounds of thunderbolt. This is the first time I'm experiencing heavy rains in the midst of deep ocean. From twelve noon, we are passing through cyclonic weather. The ship is tilting too much. I felt seasickness all day and night. At 3 p.m., the ship turned towards Ceylon coast, and we are now in the Ceylon water. 17th. Today morning, the sky is scattered with cloud. The ship is going toward western side. I feel a little bit better after passing my stool. The ship is running against wind current. The sea is a little rougher. At 10.30, we saw the south coast of Ceylon with a white lighthouse. Two ships passed from the opposite side. Some daring fishermen were fishing in small boats. From distance, they appeared to be almost drowning in the water, but the next moment they appeared to be safely working. There is sunshine, but the sky is not clear. The captain informed me that by next six hours we shall reach Colombo port. The hilly southernmost Ceylon coast is said to be four or five miles away from our ship. This means the fishermen were fishing in small boats five to ten miles away from their native coast. Certainly a very daring job. At about 2 p.m., we have now turned towards northern front. The sky is cloudy, but we are forwarding steadily. Today I am better than other three days. At 3 p.m., the Colombo City became faintly visible from the ship. The color of the water in the Indian Ocean is different from that of Bay of Bengal. The ship reached exactly at 4.30 on the port, but the management of Colombo Port could not receive the ship for want of berth, and then it is anchored on the shore waiting to enter the port. At about 9 p.m., the ship was escorted by the pilot, and we entered the dockyard. Very old pattern, but there were many ships from various countries, including passenger and cargo ships. At night, the dockyard ships assumed a brilliant a spectacle on account of profuse light. We rested the whole night, the ship being anchored. Next morning, barges loaded with goods arrived near the ship. Wednesday, 18th. Today, 18865. I felt quite normal, and the seasickness is completely removed. The ship remained silent the whole day on account of hazy sky, and only a few loads of goods were admitted. I wanted to see the Colombo city, but I could not make any arrangement. The ship was standing at the midstream, and I did not like to go alone. 19th, Thursday, the next morning, 19865, I informed my situation to Captain Pondia and he was very kind to take me to the shore in a motor launch. We dropped at Elizabeth Gate, walked with some Ceylonese clerks, and then in taxi we went to the office of Narottam and Piera Company. The manager, Mr. Bunker, was a Gujarati gentleman, and he received us well. He arranged for me a good car to go around the city. The office quarter was quite busy, and many foreign officers and renowned banks were there. I saw the Governor-General's house, the Parliament house, the Town Hall, and one very nice seaside hotel, and passed through very nice clean roads, bazaars. The city appeared to be nice and clean, and 
the small bungalows nicely decorated. It appears that people, although not very good-looking, they are not uncultured, neither they are tasteless. The city is quite up and resembling an Indian city like Madras and Pune. The buses and taxis were clean to see. The bus stands almost crowdy, like that of the Indian cities. The offices conducted almost in Indian style. The culture and civilization is Indian cent per cent, but artificially, India and Ceylon is divided. We started for Cochin at 6 p.m. The ship started at 7 p.m., the pilot being late in reaching the ship. It ran for a whole night, the whole night, and the next day up to 3.30 p.m. and reached the coast of Cochin. The ship is standing on the coast of Cochin without entering the dock. Friday, the 20th. Today, 28.65, the captain arranged for a meeting on board the M.V. Jaladuta on account of Janmashtami Day, and I spoke for an hour on the philosophy and teachings of Lord Sri Krishna. All other officers attended the meeting, and there were was distribution of prashadam, which, of course, Prabhupada cooked. The matter was radiographed to Shimati Sumati Morarji in Bombay. The ship is stranded on the Arabian Sea, about four miles away from the coast. We are in this position from 3.20 p.m. 28.65 to 9.30 a.m. on 22.865. That which uh, Prabhupada cooked on the sea for the Janmastami, we've cooked today for Prabhupada. One of the preparations. At about 10 a.m., this is the 22nd now, we are in the dockyard of Cochin. Dock is peculiar because it is by nature full of small islands. Some of the islands are full with nice hutments, formerly known as British Island. I saw my books from Bombay arrived in five cases, and the agents loaded them on the ship at 4 p.m. On 22.865, the agent, M.S. Jairam and Sons, kindly sent their car for my driving in the city. Out of the group of islands, two big islands joined by an iron over bridge are known as Cochin and Ernakulam. The iron over bridge was constructed by the Britishers very nicely along with the railway lines. The railway line is extended up to the port. There are many flourishing foreign firms and banks. It is Sunday. The bazaar was closed. I saw a particular kind of plantain available in this part of the country. The island known as Cochin is not an up-to-date city. The roads are like narrow lanes. The part of the city where the foreigners are residing is well-suited. The buildings, factories, etc. all be big as well as maintained. The Mohammedan quarters are separate from the Hindu quarters, as usual, in other Indian cities. The part known as Ernakulam is up-to-date. There is a nice park on the bank of the Gulf, and it is named Subhash Bose Park. It is good that Subhash Babu is popular in this part of the country. I saw the Kerala High Court and the public buildings, the High Court being situated in Ernakulam. It appeared that the city is capital of Kerala. This part of, the, of India resembles Bengal scenario, and the city of Ernakulam also. Cochin appears to me like old Kaligat or Toligunge area of Calcutta. The culture is Indian as usual.
Official Badra, 31 days, 1887, Shaka. Monday, 23rd. Today, so he's entering the month of Badra, which we're in now. Today, Ananda Kadasi, at about 12.30 noon. The sky was almost clear and there were was sunshine since the starting of the ship from Cochin Port. We are now floating on the Arabian Sea. My seasickness again began. Headache, vomiting tendency, no hunger, dizziness, no energy to work. It is continuing. There are sometimes showers of rain, but for a short time. There was a fellow passenger in my cabin he was also attacked with seasickness. The whole night passed. Today, at about 1.30 p.m., I inquired from the wheel room that we have come only 400 miles off the Indian coast. My seasickness is still continuing. I take my meals once only, but today I could not take my full meals. Also, although I was fasting yesterday, I'm feeling uncomfortable. 25th, beginning from today, down. Prophet says, beginning from today down, you see, then he writes, draws a line. He's going down. Means his health is, is going down dramatically. Next two pages. It's becoming very, very difficult for him aboard the ship. Next entry, other than these lines. 31st, passed over great crisis on the struggle for life and death. A separate statement has to be written on this crisis area. Wednesday the 1st, he writes, Port Suez. Thursday the 2nd, he writes, Suez Canal and Port Said. Friday the 3rd, we started from Port Said today at about 1 p.m. The Port Said city is nice. It is a long, has long, narrow, neat and clean roads with lofty buildings the city is not at all congested. While passing the rear point of Suez towards Mediterranean Sea, the city is clearly seen, but it is a small city with some industrial factories. Although in the desert, in the city, all varieties of vegetables are available. There is also a marine drive like Bombay Chopati Beach. I could see a good park in the city. Saturday the 4th. There was a rehearsal for emergency. We all prepared with belt on the body and a lifeboat was tested whether they were in order. There were two boats with capacity to load 120 persons, but we are all about 55 on board. Sunday. In the evening, the sky was cloudy and they expected foggy weather and all of them became a little gloomy. But at midnight we passed Malta, Sicily, by God's grace. It was all right throughout the night. Monday the 6th, today I have taken Kitchery and Cody. It was tasteful, and I took them with relish, and this gave me a push forward to get renewed strength, little by little. Seventh. Today, Borahadwadasi observed. The best atmospheric condition on the Mediterranean Sea. All along, we have seen the Algerian coast. Wednesday, 8th. Today, about 8 o'clock in the morning, and near about Gibraltar, we had the first experience of fog impediment. It was all dark around the ship, and she stopped moving completely. She was whistling now and then to protect herself from other unseen ships being collided with. 
We started at about 11 again. 8, 9.65. At about 2.30 p.m. we crossed over Gibraltar Port, ending at Tarita Lighthouse. The other side is Spanish Morocco. There is a regular ferry steamer service. The gap is wide, about seven miles across. We are in the Atlantic. Thursday the 9th, till 4 o'clock afternoon we have crossed over the Atlantic Ocean for 24 hours. The whole day was clear and almost smooth. I'm taking my food regularly and I got some strength to struggle. There is a slight lurching of the ship and I'm feeling slight headache also. But I'm struggling and the nectarine of my life is Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, the source of all my vitality. Friday the 10th. Today the ship is plying very smoothly. I feel better today, but I'm feeling separation from Vrindavan and my lords, Shigovinda, Gopinath, Radha Damodar. The only solace is Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, in which I am tasting the nectarine of Lord Chaitanya's Leela. I have left Bhard Bhumi just to execute the order of Sri Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati. In pursuance of Lord Chaitanya's order, I have no qualification but I have taken up the risk just to carry out the order of His Divine Grace. I depend fully on their mercy so far away from Vrindavan. Saturday, 11th. Today the ship ran on very smoothly. The sky was clear and there was sunshine all the day. About 7.30 in the morning we passed on the Azor Group Islands under the Portugal Republic. There was again rehearsal for lifeboat saving at 4.30 p.m. There was rehearsal of the fire brigaders also. At night there was a profuse moonlight on the ocean and considerable lurching also, but did not affect me much as it used to do in the Arabian Sea. The Atlantic Ocean is more kind to me than all the other seas so far we have crossed over. It is all Lord Krishna's grace. Sunday the 12th. SR Day. Today there is a great deal of lurching although the sky is clear. Mr. Pandya, although, Mrs. Pandya, excuse me, although a little lady, but very intelligent and learned also. She has foretold about my future. Seems to be the wife of the captain. Thanks to her prediction, all blessings of Lord Krishna for her. The crisis which I suppose to have crossed is also mentioned by her. If I have crossed the crisis, then that is the goodwill of Lord Krishna my friend and philosopher. In the evening, there was too much lurching, and I felt a bit seasickness. I could not take my food properly. The little sweets were accepted with some relish. The lurching continued until midnight. Monday, 13th. Today is the 32nd day of our journey from Calcutta. After midnight yesterday, the lurching decreased, and I felt relief. In the morning, I also could not take my breakfast properly. Then I cooked Buddy Kachari. We cooked that today. It appeared to be delicious, and I was able to take some food. Today I have disclosed my mind to my companion, Lord Sri Krishna. There is a Bengali poem made by me today in this connection. We'll read that, huh? Krishna Tabha Punya Hobe Bhai, E Punya Kuribe Jobe Radharani Kushi Hobe. O my dear friend Krishna, it is fixed 
like the pole star Druva, forever, that if Radharani is pleased with you, your life will become auspicious. This is a sure thing. Shri Siddhanta Saraswati Sachisutta Priyaati Krishna Sebai Jad Tulanai Se Se Mohant Guru Jogater Madhe Uru Krishna Bhakti De Tai Tai Shri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur who is very dear to Lord Goranga the son of Mother Sachi is unparalleled in his service to the Supreme Lord Shri Krishna. He is that great saintly spiritual master who bestows intense devotion to Krishna in different places throughout the world. Tad icha bhavlavan paschat yete tan tan hoi jate gorangir nam pritibiti nagaradi asamudra nadanadi sakale loi krishna nam. By his strong desire, the holy name of Goranga will be spread throughout all the countries of the Western world, in all the cities, towns, and villages on the earth, from all the oceans, seas, rivers, and streams. Everyone will chant the holy name of Krishna. Tahale ananda hoi tabe hoi digvijai chaitanya kripa atishai mayadusta jata duki jagate sabai suki vaishnaver ichapuna hoi. As the vast mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu occupies all directions, a flood of transcendental ecstasy will certainly cover the land. When all the sinful, miserable living entities become happy, the Vaishnava's desire is then fulfilled. Sekarja J. Koribare Agna Jadi Dilomore Jogyanagi An Dinahina Tai Setomar Kripa Magitechi Anurupa Aji Numi Shabar Provin. Although my Guru Maharaj ordered me to accomplish this mission, I am not worthy or fit to do it. I am very fallen and insignificant. Therefore, O Lord, now I am begging for your mercy so that I can become worthy, for you are the wisest and most experienced of all. So he's negotiating with Krishna to get some power to fulfill the desire of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who he understands is very dear to Radha. And therefore he's reasoning that if you give me that power, she will be pleased. That will be good for you, Krishna. How could Krishna possibly refuse such an approach? Tomar se shakti pele guru se bai bashtu mile jiban sartak jari hoi se se seba poile tahale suki hole tobe sanga bhagya te milai. If you bestow your power by serving the spiritual master, one attains the absolute truth. One's life becomes successful. If that service is obtained, then one becomes happy and gets your association due to good fortune. Evam janma naipatitam prabhavikupe kamabhikamam anaya prapatan prasangat kritvat masat surasina bhagavan grihita soham katam nu visrijay tavabhritisevam He quotes a Sanskrit verse from Bhagavatam of Prahlad Maharaj here. Shows something about his Guru Nishta, Prabhupada's Guru Nishta. Prahlad says, Oh, my dear Lord, O Supreme Personality of God, because of my association with material desires, one after another, I was gradually following into a blind well of snakes, following the general populace. But your servant, Narada Muni, accepted me as his disciple and instructed me how to achieve this transcendental position. Therefore, my first duty is to serve him. How could I leave his service? Tumi mochira sati bulia maya lati 
কয়াছি জন্ম জন্মন্তারে আজি পুন এসু যোগ যদি হয় যোগা যোগ তবে পরি থুহে মিলি বরে ও লর্ড কৃষ্ণ ও মাই ডিয়ার ফ্রেন্ড হিজ প্লেইং ইন দ্য স্পিরিট ইউ আর মাই ইটারনাল কম্পানিয়ন ফর গেটিং ইউ আই হ্যাভ সাফার্ড দ্য কিক্স অফ মাই বার্থ আফটার বার্থ ইফ দ্য ডে দ্য চান্স টু মিট ইউ অকারস এগেইন আই উইল শিওরলি বি এবল টু রিজয়েন ইউ তোমার মিলানে ভাই আবার সে সুখ পায় গোচরানী গুড়ি দিন ভর কট অনেক জুতা চুতে বানে কায় লুত পুধে সে দিন কবে হবে ময় ও ডিয়ার ফ্রেন্ড ইন ইউর কোম্পানি আই উল এক্সপিরিয়েন্স গ্রেট জয় ওয়ান্স এগেন ইন দি অর্লি মর্নিং আই ওয়ান্ডার অ্যাবাউট দ্য কাউড পাস্টার্স ইন ফিল্ডস রানিং ইন ফ্রলকিং ইন দ্য মেনি ফরেস্ট অফ ব্রজ আই উল রোল অন দ্য গ্রাউন্ড ইন স্পিরিচুয়াল এক্সটেসি ও ওয়ান উল দ্যাট ডে বি মাইন্ড সুবিধানে And therefore, I desire your association so much. O Krishna, except for you, there is no other means of success. Again, he said, Today I have disclosed my mind to my companion, Lord Sri Krishna. There is a Bengali poem made by me today in this connection. At about eleven there is still lurching. The captain tells that they had never... Such calmness of the Atlantic, I said, is Lord Krishna's mercy. His wife asked me to come back again with them so that they may have again a calm Atlantic Ocean. If Atlantic would have shown its usual face, perhaps I would have died, but Lord Krishna has taken charge of the ship. <laughs> 